say the first thing I want to say to the, today is that there is a building team meeting um, right after church service at the new building. I need the building team to meet. We're going to plan out the stage. Um, and also, if you haven't seen the the current building and the progress that we've made, then I invite you to come out there and check it out. Like anyone, uh, right after church, just drive out there and slip inside and um, check it out. Um, also, uh, I don't know where my microphone is that clips to my shirt, so I have to pay attention to this. And so if I go over here like this and tell me, get back over there, because it's not that I can't speak loud enough. This is goes to the um, on online um, recording of our sermon. So I have to stay right here, stay put. So, Okay, so there it is, a building team meeting right after. Everyone come by and check out the new church building, and uh, let's pray to get started with today's word. Father God, I thank you for uh, your Holy Spirit, and I thank you for the opportunity to learn from your word and for the worship that we had today and the communion meditation we have from Brother Bruce, Lord. Thank you that you love us so much that you give your life for us. Lord, we accept that grace and mercy today. Uh, help us to live within your will. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right, so we are uh, 42 or 3 days after Easter. The significance of that is that uh, 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus and his disciples went to the Mount of Olives, a place near Jerusalem. And uh, there, Jesus promised his followers that they would soon receive the Holy Spirit. And he instructed them to stay in Jerusalem until the Spirit had come. He blessed them, and as he gave the blessing, he ascended into heaven. And so this past Thursday, we celebrated Ascension Day, the, the day that Jesus ascended back to heaven. Now, it's, it's a plain from Scripture that Jesus' ascension was a literal bodily return to heaven. He rose from the ground gradually and visibly, the Scripture says, and uh, many people that were around observed him going up into the clouds as it happened. As the disciples uh, strained to catch a last glimpse of their Savior, uh, two angels appeared to them and promised that Jesus would return. They promised that he would return in the same way that they watched him go just then. Now let me read to you that account that we find in Acts chapter 1, also a few of the Gospels, but I'll be reading from Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. Once... When he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were here with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and to restore our kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying these things, after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. 
As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Now, here's an overview of what the ascension means to us. It means, number one, that the end of uh, Jesus' ministry was at that point, uh, his earthly ministry, when Jesus was here physically on the earth teaching people face-to-face. The ascension marks the the, uh, end of that. God the Father had lovingly sent his Son into the world at Bethlehem, and now the Son was returning to the Father. The ascension also means for us that uh, it signifies the success in Jesus' earthly work. All that he had come to do had been accomplished on the earth at that point in his earthly work. And also it marked the return of his heavenly glory. Because as I said, the, the end of his earthly work, there was still work to be done in our future, and we'll learn about that at some point. But this marked the return of his heavenly glory. So Jesus's glory had been veiled during his, his sojourn on earth with one brief exception, the transfiguration. The transfiguration was the one point when Jesus's, um, his identity, um, started to show through in all of its glory. Matthew chapter 17, verse uh, 1 through 9, it records things like his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as lightning. Moses and Elijah decided to come and hang out with him at that point. They appeared and they began talking to Jesus. And then a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, by the way, this was God, said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. The disciples at the transfiguration were terrified and they fell face down on the ground. And then Jesus came over and touched them as they were down on the ground. Says, get up, don't be afraid. And when they looked up, uh, Moses and Elijah were gone, but they still seen Jesus, still saw Jesus. As they went back down the mountain... Jesus commanded them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. So it's an interesting thing that Jesus' full identity kind of shows through at that one point in time, the transfiguration, and and he says, uh, don't don't tell everyone right now. But then if we uh, fast forward to the ascension, It's no longer a secret anymore. Um, Also, uh, what the ascension means for us is that it symbolizes his exaltation by the Father, uh, the one whom the Father is well pleased, Matthew chapter 17 says, um, was received up in honor and given the name above all names. It allowed him to prepare a place for us when Jesus went back to heaven he is at work making that place. Uh, John 14, verse 2 says, There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? So he is there working for us. And uh, lastly, it, 
the ascension set the pattern for his return. When Jesus comes to set up the kingdom in full, he will return just as he left. It will be a literal return. Jesus will have a body and it will be a visible. The return of Jesus isn't just a state of mind or a, a, a place that's like a fairy tale. It's going to be literal and actually happening. And it's going to be visible from the clouds, from the heavens. So my advice is we should be looking up. We should be looking forward to Jesus coming back for us. Now, all of these things are quite wonderful. And I really look forward to Jesus coming back. But the part of this scripture that I want to focus on today is verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We can't read the first half of the verse without reading the second half. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There's two things about this verse. We will receive power and will be my witnesses, Jesus' witnesses. So what does it mean when it says, verse 8, you will receive power? Now, I know that uh, at least most of us probably like the idea of power. And I'm a dude, so uh, maybe I can share with you. I don't know if ladies actually like powerful things. I think so, probably. But um, we like powerful cars with big engines and powerful trucks that can pull a lot of stuff. We like to lead uh, powerful businesses when we run our business. We like powerful firearms that are uh, high-powered, and uh, we like to be physically powerful. Um, we just don't like the powerless feeling. Each week, well, uh, I try to go to jujitsu, and and just this past week, I'm um, Noah and Colton submit me in an arm bar and a chokehold both times and I felt powerless there for a minute because they were exhibiting power over me. You know, we don't like to feel powerless. Also recently, in the past couple of weeks, I, I went to a new person's house um, that I'd, I'd just met not too long ago and I, I parked my truck, my little Ford Ranger, in their driveway, which was on a slope and uh, and it doesn't have an emergency brake because it broke a long time ago. And I put it in first gear, shut it off, and got it out. The wheels were turned, locked the door because I'm in the habit of doing that. And when I was walking up to meet the two folks, my uh, Ford Ranger starts to roll forwards. Not fast because it's turning over the engine that has low compression. Boom, 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 boom. And the wheels are turned directly into their nice vehicle. Powerless. I hate that feeling. And I ran over there really quick because it was getting closer and closer to their vehicle. And I realized I had one of the pair of britches on that your pockets are kind of tight. And my phone was over top of my keys. And so I'm trying to get a hold of my keys to unlock my door to push on the brake. And I can't. And finally, I noticed there's a two by four, which is actually my parking brake in the back of my truck. So I grab the two before out and shove it in front of the wheel and just barely keep my truck from smashing into their nice vehicle. Man, we don't like to feel powerless. We like to feel powerful. 
This verse says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Of all the kinds of power that we want, this is the power that we need. Power can be a confusing thing. What exactly is Jesus talking about here? What kind of power is being offered? Well, today I'd like to explain this in three different ways. Uh, first, I believe that Jesus is offering us power to speak. Power to speak, and we see examples of this in our scripture. <clears throat> now, this is not the same thing as our First Amendment here in this country. That protects the freedom of speech, press, assembly, and the right to petition. And those are good things, and I am so glad that we have that. But what the Holy Spirit power is for is speaking specifically the gospel message. Speaking about the way of God and His will. Peter is a good example for us. If you guys remember what happened on the day of Pentecost, and I know we're getting um, kind of confusing here because we have three different days. We've we talked about the Transfiguration, and we've talked about the Ascension, and now I'm throwing in Pentecost. But these are all good days to research and to learn about. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, then uh, all of the disciples there were uh, given the power to speak in different languages. And the reason why they needed different languages is because there was a whole lot of folks around, a whole crowd of people and they were from all over in different places and they needed to hear the word of God and so they uh, the Holy Spirit empowered these men to speak in all the languages that folks needed to hear and folks heard the gospel message that day now Peter after all those guys were speaking in the different languages uh, and people were confused Peter stepped up and he began to speak. Now, I don't believe that Peter was speaking in a different language here. Uh, I believe he addressed them in his own language, the language that he knew, and he said, listen folks, you're hearing a lot of, a lot of things right now, but rest assured they're true and these guys are not drunk like you think they are. He explained to them the reason that this was happening and the power and, you know, Peter wasn't a public speaker before this. He was a fisherman. Uh, Peter probably wasn't in the habit of speaking in front of lots of people. And the situation here was stressful. Uh, lots of chaos going on. How many of y'all are, are comfortable speaking in front of people? Especially when catastrophe or well maybe maybe a chaos is happening i mean it's, it's it, it seems hard it, it, it makes me nervous and i speak in front of people every week it can be uh just really stressful so how did peter do it well verse 14 says then peter stepped forward with the 11 other disciples and he shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you. And he proceeded to tell them everything that the power of the Holy Spirit led him to speak. 
computer probably couldn't have done this at all or even stepped up on that level wherever he was speaking from to tell them if he hadn't had the power of the Holy Spirit. We mustn't forget that the Spirit won't empower us to speak something that is contrary to God's word. And so what Peter told them is that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He encouraged them to repent of their sins and give their lives to the one who could give them life eternal. Peter was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now also our scripture tells us that uh, we will have power from the Holy Spirit during persecution, power to speak. Mm. We should not worry about what we are going to say. How many of you worry about things that you're going to say? Like, uh, what are we going to say to our wives or to our husbands when they ask us one of those questions that we don't want to answer? What are we going to say when we've messed up and we need to apologize? And um, more importantly, um, what about a situation in where, uh, God forbid, we be put in that uh, somebody is going to harm us if we profess that we are a Christian or take our lives. You ever wonder about what would you say then? Would you tell them you believed in Jesus? Matthew chapter 10 verse 18 says, and this is Jesus, you will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other believers about me. When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking. It, it will be the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Now that gives me some comfort. In the time when I'm going to need to speak God's word fearlessly and boldly, it will be the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of our Father God, that will speak through us. During persecution, we can rely on this power that Jesus is talking about. Now, how about another example? Uh, Stephen. Stephen, in, in Acts chapter 6, uh, it, it's, it says that Stephen, when he was at the point of being stoned to death, at that point right before, um, Stephen got the opportunity to speak. And he gave a message about the Old Testament history that led to Jesus. And he boldly stated that Jesus was the Messiah. Uh, Stephen knew that uh, speaking about Jesus was hazardous to his health at that point in time. He knew that it wasn't good for him physically. But he had Holy Spirit power. And so he spoke, and he got to be with Jesus right then and there. Another way that the Holy Spirit gives us power to speak is through encouragement. Uh, he gives us the power to encourage. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. 
Now, I did just a little bit of research. Um, don't quote me on these, but uh, I did find that on average, a working male says about 2,000 words per day. Females, about 10,000 to 15,000 words per day. <laughs> just found that on the internet. Don't know if it's true or not. Uh, this is a lot of words. And uh, I think uh, that was probably taken in a city or a business situation because I'm thinking in rural Kansas here, and especially the you know ranchers. Uh, I I don't know how many words you say per day. I mean, if they counted the same four-letter word while you're working cattle over and over, it might equal up to two thousand. But other than that, I don't think we say that many words. Maybe I don't know. Um, the same study said that on average, about 500 words are of actual value of all the words we speak. So let's just take men, for example, 2,000 words, only 500 of them are valuable. And that means only 500 of them, only that small percentage, are actually productive words, like communicating something. It doesn't say it's those are negative words or positive words. It say they're actually um, communicating something. Now, if we were to reduce that percentage down to words of encouragement, well, it, it didn't give that statistic. And I'm kind of glad because it would probably be depressing. How many of the words that we say per day, per day are words that are encouraging others? Folks, use the power of the Holy Spirit that he sent to us to encourage your family and your friends, anyone who is around you. The Holy Spirit not only gives us power to speak, but he gives us power to to change. Oh, I loved Bruce's community meditation. It is so good to see a life changed. You know, I've heard so many people say, man, I, I can't change. You've probably heard it too. Someone says, I just, I am the way that I am. Um, you know, can't, I can't break those bad habits. It's just who I am. But you know what? With the Holy Spirit's power, you can change. And here's, here's some examples from uh, Acts chapter 10. Uh, let me set the stage for you. This is at a point in time with most of our scripture where uh, the Jews and the Gentiles are starting to come together over the body of Christ, but they still very much have their differences. Those who cling to the Jewish way and those who are newly converted Christians still have very uh, much uh, differences. And it, it, it's kind of like segregation as they begin to come together. In our country's history, um, we've seen with the, the, uh, the civil rights movement and, and, and prior to that, uh, you know, when... Uh, the, the different uh, kinds of, of folks from different backgrounds, they start to come together. And, and at first we think, well, segregation, you know, separate but equal is okay. We'll segregate. And everyone has the same rights, but, but it didn't really work because there was separation. And this is the situation with the, the Jews and the Gentiles in this period. The Jews had the laws. 
to where they had to do certain procedures and they couldn't eat certain meat like delicious bacon where the, the Gentiles, they could eat whatever they wanted and so they couldn't dine together because there were those differences, the unclean things and the clean things. And yet, the Holy Spirit gives these folks the power to change. In Acts chapter 10, verse 28, Peter told them, you know it's against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you, but God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Peter had the power of the Holy Spirit and all these things that had to been in his mind. Mm, I can't, can't do that, can't eat that food, can't uh, spend time with this person, can't touch that person, it will be, it will be unclean. You know, Peter knows that, that Jesus came for everyone at this point in time. I, I, we've got to believe that he is on board with what Jesus came to do for every person, but he's still got these, these changes in his mind that, um, you know, that they can't intermingle with their cultures, but the Spirit gives him power to uh, go ahead and break down those barriers, and he dines with them. Um, the Lord sent him a dream and said, hey, um, what God has made holy uh, is holy to you as well. Now, and it was hard probably for Peter to grasp, but because Peter, through the power of the Holy Spirit, accepted um, that the Gentiles could be holy as well, Gentiles then heard the good news from Peter. And then the Gentiles uh, received the Holy Spirit themselves after Peter was able to change the way he thought. Oh, one of the favorite... Uh, situations, examples of uh, change comes from um, a little bit later in the book of Acts. Saul turns to Paul, the Apostle Paul, Acts chapter 9. And, you know, a guy like Saul, you could say, man, if you knew him before he became Paul, you say, that, that fellow won't ever change. No matter what, you could send anyone to him. You know, he was there when Stephen was stoned. He was persecuting the church. There's, not, there's no way that Saul could ever change. And that's true without the Holy Spirit. But with the Holy Spirit power, not only was Paul able to change, but he had the power to stay changed. And he stayed strong for the gospel of the Lord through many missionary journeys and to the end of his life. Now, I think uh, of uh, Peter and John again when um, they were able to change from being timid to bold. You know, Peter and John had, had healed a fella, and uh, so some of the Sadducees in the temple and, and uh, some of the folks who took care of the temple, the, the Jewish folks, that uh, they brought Peter and John to them before the council and they asked them to explain themselves. You ever had to do that when you was a kid? Do you remember that? 
like you you did something something stupid and uh your mom brings you or your dad and says explain yourself son and you're thinking through your mind oh what am i what am i gonna say do i i need to doctor this i need to make this this just perfect so that i don't get as bad of trouble as i might get into but you're nervous because boy if you explain it exactly the way it was and you're gonna get in trouble and there's just no way out of it explain yourselves well the jewish folk who had already killed people for believing in Jesus, said to Peter and John, explain yourselves. How'd you heal that guy in Jesus' name? Here's a couple of uneducated men, the scripture says, Peter and John, who had been with Jesus. Oh, and by the way, Peter and John were in the habit of hiding behind locked doors. And uh, when Jesus was arrested, they scattered, they spread out. So we wouldn't think that Peter and John are the most bold of fellas. It's not like they are ready to stand up and speak in every chance they get. But Acts chapter 4 verse 13 says, As the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. Now, how did that happen? They boldly stood up and spoke. It was through the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus says would come. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 gives us a whole big list of things that we used to be. It's talking about us, and it's talking about the people there. And, and I'll just uh, skip through a few of the things. Uh, here's the things that we use, you know, fornicators, um, uh, prostitutes, uh, thieves, drunkards, um, cheaters, all these, this whole big long list of things that we used to be. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, the next verse, it says, Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. The power of the Holy Spirit makes us holy. Makes us holy. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to change. We have to accept that. No more saying, I can't change, just the way I am. No, the Holy Spirit gives us power to change. And you know, another thing that the Holy Spirit gives us power to do is, is the power to finish something, the power to complete something. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says, uh, And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his good work his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Finally finished. Mm. I love the way that sounds. Oh, the good work that I see started in our lives, the good work that I see the Lord doing all over. Wouldn't it be so great if it was just done and everything was good and there would be no more problems i would love to see that but we can look forward to that being finally finished on the day that jesus returns 
Oh, life can be hard. Everybody knows that. Everybody's had those times when we think, man, I, I can't do it. I just can't do it. But this verse, this verse says that you can. Philippians chapter 2 Verse 12 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Now there's a promise to hang on to right there. He will continue, tells us to continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And he will act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Now, God has a purpose for your life. I'm positive that. Scripture tells us everyone has a purpose. And that purpose that God has for you is good. This verse guarantees that the Spirit of God will work inside of you until that good purpose has been fulfilled and completed. And that's good news, especially for people like me. People like me, and I don't like to tell you a whole lot about myself, because most of it is not that great. I have trouble sometimes finishing things. I'm not a super finisher. Uh, habits for me are hard. I can't make a habit a good one, and I guess, thankfully, a bad habit, except for maybe the habit of not making a good habit. <laughs> I have to really push myself to finish something. Here recently, I decided to start cleaning up all of my junk cars at our place. If you've ever been by my place, we, I like to keep junk cars because it saves me a lot of money pulling the parts off them and fixing my other junk cars that I drive. But, unfortunately for my wife, uh, they're scattered throughout the, well, was the backyard, and I moved them to the front yard so I'd have to look at them so that I would likely get rid of them pretty soon. And so I got to the point where, okay, I'm going to finish something, and I dragged them up to the very top of the drive because I am going to get rid of them next week, and then I can't find the titles to them. And evidently you have to have the titles to junk a vehicle these days. So there they are at the front of the drive for everyone to see. Haven't finished it. But I am excited that God is a finisher and that His Holy Spirit gives us power to complete the things that we need to do in His will. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. It says, As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed how you... We instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. More and more. Urging us to keep doing the good. Keep on working for God. Keep on more and more using the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's why Jesus gives it to us. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19, 
says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 23, it says, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. Folks, our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will give you the power to finish well. Now back to the ascension, where we started. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. A life worthy of of your calling. And in verse 8 it says that is why the scriptures say when he ascended to the heights, ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Did you see that, guys? You have been given gifts and this is coming after the ascension. In verse 11 it says now these are the gifts Christ gives to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. And to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue, continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. We want unity. We want, at least I want unity. We want to get along together. We want, as churches, to get along with other churches. We want to get along with our, our extended family. We want to get along with our neighbors. We want unity. We have got to use these gifts that we have been given to achieve the unity. We've been given the responsibility to build up the body of Christ. When Christ ascended, he gave us the gifts to do this, to build up the body of Christ. Listen, we as a body, we need to look more like Jesus. The only way we can do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. He gives us power to speak the gospel message. He gives us power to change from sinful to sanctified. And he gives us power to stay strong and to let him complete the good that he has started within us. Let's go back to verse 8 real quick. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. My witnesses, Jesus says, telling people, telling people we are, need to be his witnesses. He's asking us to. He's telling us to. Now here's how we witness. We witness through words. He gives us the power to speak. Let's use our words. A good place to start is your testimony. Tell somebody about what God means to you and how he works in your life. And we are witnesses when we are transformed, when we are changed into a new person. Have you been transformed? Have you been changed by the blood of Jesus? We are witnesses by finishing. Don't give up. Our God will take us beyond 
the finish line. Life is tough, but we can do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. He'll take us to a place beyond our wildest imagination. He guarantees that that is true. While we were still sinners, Christ gave his life for us. Will you pray for me? Pray with me and for me. Lord Jesus, uh, we are so grateful that your son was sent by you to die for us. God, we don't understand your Holy Spirit sometimes. It's hard for us to understand that third person of your Trinity, Lord. But we know that this word that Jesus gives us says that he will give us power. And we wish Jesus was here with us physically today so he could tell us all the things that we need to know. But Lord, you needed him up there so that you could send the Holy Spirit. We are open to the Holy Spirit acting in our lives now. We're open to that power. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.